all, you have tuned in to an episode of Candid with Lubna Farhan, and today our special guest is Sashin Govinder. Sashin Govinder is the founder and CEO of the TMS Ecosystem, which owns more than 20 companies. He's also a renowned, world-renowned speaker on leadership, sales, entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and an expert in helping you reset your paradigm. His motto in life is to work like you're broke. Sashin was born and raised in South Africa. He was able to earn his first six figures by age 19, seven figures at age 21, and became one of the youngest multimillionaires at age 24. On 14th September 2019, Sir Sashin Govinder was knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine, the Great and Saint Helen, one of the oldest orders of knighthood in the world for excellence. In his profession and exemplary contribution to our society through innovation and philanthropy, Sashin, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly appreciate it, Lubna. Fantastic. I'm really excited to have you and I just can't wait to get cracking on. Um, so how did you actually get to where you are? So you were doing quite a lot at a very young, young age. How did, you, how did you do this? You know, it all started off for me when I was actually two years old, when my parents got separated and divorced. And um, throughout that period of time, that mess turned into my message, that pain turned into my passion and that frustration mm. actually turned into my freedom in life. And, um, you know, I, I came from a, a family where my parents never speak and said hi to each other since yeah. I've been two years old till 24. Yeah. And then I, I was very fortunate that it, when I turned eight years old, I got introduced to self-development for the very first time. So yeah. I started reading books, listening to audios, watching videos, attending live seminars. I heard the word mentors, visualization, affirmation. Yeah. And I had my mom and dad try to be a better parent from both angles and I was just sitting there absorbing it. Yeah. And then I utilized all that information to go into entrepreneurship and I started my very first business in school yeah. where I was filling these mini skateboards. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was actually teaching the, the children in school who had the skateboards, I'd teach them the tricks. And if yeah. they didn't have the skateboards, I'd actually go out there and sell them it. So I'd buy for wholesale, sell it retail, and then later on, I caught the trend of WWE wrestling. I sold A4 wallpapers. And then later on, I, um, at 17 years old, I was making $200 a week selling chocolate fudge in school. Wow. 18 years old, went into entrepreneurship for the very first time. And I actually took a company to about $3 billion globally in 42 countries, six continents. Wow. And then in 2019, all my experience in running one company I took it and started off 19 other companies. And uh, in a short summary, that's my life. You're a genius, basically. <laughs> you have achieved what many would dream of achieving. But can I ask you, do you think, do you have to be greedy to be, become a successful businessman? Like, do you have to be greedy or can you do it without being greedy? Well, definitely you can do it without being greedy. When you look at the word greedy, in fact, I... I'm not a fan of the word because greed leads to status seeking and having or showing an intense selfish desire for wealth or power. So when you start to look at greedy, you know, I, I would, if you're going to be greedy, be greedy for change. Yeah. Don't be greedy for competition. Hmm. Don't sell your soul to actually do things. You've got to make an honest living. You got to know that you can sleep, you know, at night, hmm. know the truth. But at the same time, when you're greedy, you fall in a trap for more. Yeah. And if you do the wrong things and you fall down the wrong path, because I love saying you have two choices in life. You can go down the path of light hmm. or the path of darkness. And if you're going a hundred kilometers, a thousand kilometers, 
in the wrong direction, yeah. it's very difficult to make that U-turn. So when I look at the word greedy, hmm. you actually have to be mindful of how you become successful in life. Yeah. Um, you, know, you need to know how you're going to make your money. You're going to be able to do it the right way from a very young age. My foundation was it's always going to be a win-win. Hmm. You have two hands, one to give and one to receive. Yeah. So I disagree if someone wants to be greedy yeah. by competing with someone else to win. To yeah. get themselves to the top. You don't have to bash people down yeah. and bring them down. That's the corporate world. That's traditional life. Yeah. Bringing people down to elevate yourself. And I would love to help other people elevate so you get elevated in return. So it's not that the money was necessarily driving you. It was the fact that you wanted change. And therefore, obviously, so it's not that the fact that you were greedy for money. It was the, the change that you wanted in, a, in terms of helping people and serving you know, people. In the beginning, I uh, was a typical 18-year-old. I wanted the nice things. I wanted the nice car, the nice home. And um, I didn't know when you get that, you also get problems. Hmm. So when I was 18 years old, I got that. I bought the BMW at 18, Aston Martin at 21, Ferrari at 23. But I went through that lifestyle. I bought the president's home at 24 years old in South Africa. Yeah. But I got, I got attached to their lifestyle. And you know, when you're living a life where you got to continuously impress other people to buy what you're selling or yeah. to like you and you fall in that trap, there's always a better car that you're going to buy. There's yeah. always a better home that you're going to buy. So you're going to fall in that trap of impressing other people who you, you barely like. Yeah. And I, I went through some humbling moments in my life. Look, now actually, uh, I wrote my Ferrari off with my mom in the car. I was driving extremely slow, but I went through a uh, electrical storm. Mm. I went through some life experiences that really and truly humbled me. Yeah. And uh, if you're not humble in life, you will be humbled by life. And I actually okay. got humbled. And um, from that moment, in, in actual fact, that week that I was about to buy, uh, that, that I smashed my Ferrari, I was going to buy two brand new cars, but I was so caught in that lifestyle. Yeah. I've never yeah. driven from that day. I've never bought a car from that day. My mission and purpose has changed. So people okay. have to go through it. They have to go through it. So, so is it like a penny clicked in your mind where you thought, do you know what? something clicked in you, which you made you realize that this is all just materialistic stuff and there's more to life. Or I guess the fact that you needed to get out your system, buying all the, this, these cars and, how, and buying all these materialistic things to then realize that this is actually not the only people, thing to life. I mean, people have to go through their own process. Hmm. And when they go through that own process, then they start to define their life and realize, hold on, we make the cars. The cars don't make us. Yeah. We make the money. The money doesn't make us. We make the lifestyle. And um, my parents always told me, Sashin, you'll be able to count your friends on one hand when you grow up in life. Mm. And I laughed about it. I don't really know. I mean, I'm 18 years old in the entrepreneurial world. And now I can literally count my friends on one hand. Mm. So with that being said, you've got to be able to go through it. And I went through it. I'm very fortunate that I went through it at 18, 19, 20 years old. Most people never go through it and they get humbled in due time. So yeah. I, I had to buy the car, waste mm. the money, learn. And it's such a humbling situation because when I went through that electrical storm and I was driving 80 kilometers per hour and I smashed my Ferrari, I didn't get paid out today from that actual accident. That's another humbling moment. Yeah. So it's zero emotional attachments to specific things that don't require you need to, for, for you to have acceptance to, for you to be appreciated in life. Can I ask about what was that? Was it one experience that you had that led to this? Or was it, uh, it several experiences and you just 
it was it like a penny click or was it a particular occasion event that happened that made you really think and stop it was a few i mean there was points where because i achieved success at a very young age and you know different people define success in very different var- uh, variants and 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 i actually achieved it from a point of when I hit 19, I made something that I've never made before. Hmm. So I got a life test, you know, whether it's the higher power, the universe, God, whatever you believe, whatever people believe in, it kind of comes into your life and says, hold on, you're moving at too much of a fast pace. I need to humble you, keep you aligned, let you know who's the greater person. Yeah. And uh, all those little moments, it's defining moments. It wasn't one, it was multiple that at different stepping stones made me realize yeah. I'm not in control all the time. Yeah. So you had the maturity and the wisdom in order to realize this because I think I can imagine there's, there would be other people at your, of your age who, if they would gain all this success at a young age, they probably wouldn't have that realization as early on as you, but you got it. So you had that wisdom, intelligence, you can call it, or what was it? Do you think it's, it's just the way you are? Was it luck? No, I, I feel like, well, I definitely earned it. Why? Because I've been studying self-development for 18 years and yeah. I've been practicing to go through that rejection, yeah. to have that mindset. And um, when I did achieve it, I, um, I got caught in life. Yeah. And we're living in a time right now with the coronavirus and the, the recession that's on the brink of happening where we're sitting with these nice things, mm. with the car in the garage, yeah. the beautiful watches and clothes in the closet. Yeah. And you know, health workers are getting more recognition than athletes and entrepreneurs and artists and you know, yeah. famous individuals on social media. And we're living in that time where we're being humbled by life. Yeah. And in actual fact, I'm, you know, for me, it was that process of life that I needed to learn because mm. we all the author of our own chapter. And that was a chapter in my book to realize, make me realize if you want to go to higher heights, first you need to be, you know, you, be, you need to be able to have gratitude yeah. for the little things. Because if you can't appreciate the small things, you'll never be able to appreciate the bigger things in life. Yeah. And um, it's not that I treated people differently. Hmm. It's my humbling beginnings that I needed to go through to forcefully formulate the person who you see today. That's fantastic. So it's helped you put things into perspective. And I guess, I obviously with COVID-19 happening, um, it's quite unfortunate because many people are unfortunately um, getting ill and passing away, dying. Um, but for the rest of us who haven't experienced that yet in terms of getting ill, I think what it has done is we have, a lot of us have started, I think, waking up, putting things into perspective and exactly what you said, realizing who is actually more important in terms of the health workers and everyone else who's actually now still running the country while we are all sitting at home. Okay, fantastic. Um, so you've done business at a very young age. Um, do you think business is a gamble? And if so, are all businessmen and women addicts? You know, I personally believe business is a calculated path. So it's not a gamble because I'm not walking to the casino, throwing money on that roulette table and praying and hoping to win. Yeah. It's fully calculated. You know, people who are gambling in business, yeah. well, then you, you, you have a ratio and the odds are always against us. Hmm. There's more people that's going to fail than the amount of people that's going to succeed. And you hmm. look at anything in life, first year students, there's more people failing in the first year than yeah. people actually going through and passing. So I, I don't look at success in business as a 36 to one ratio yeah. on the roulette table. I look at it as a calculated risk. 
I know I'm going to win. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm going to win in step one or step yes. four. It's yeah. not a gamble. I don't get personally for me. I, um, you know, I have this acronym SAW saw. So I saw myself, you know, having that business, having that success, having mm -hmm. that growth. And when you flip the word SAW, it's W A S. I was there. I was walking into that studio, that office. I was, you know, interviewing specific people. I did have uh, 500,000 people buying my book, you know, stuff like that. So when you flip it around, it's mm. mental. It's never going out there and living in the past or future in the present. It's always living in the future as mm. if you already lived there. So the celebration is a bit different. It's definitely not okay. a calculate. It's definitely not a, a gamble. So do you believe in the power of attraction then? I definitely do. You do? Yep. So you believe in the power of attraction. Mm, it'd be interesting if we touch on that later on. So, okay. So now tell me, so being someone of color, what has your experience been of racism? Well, you know, I come from South Africa, 1994, mm -hmm. the year that I was born, Nelson Mandela was free. That's the whole democracy year. And, um, you know, to be really transparent, that has not died off. Okay. So when I see things happening in the US and globally, yeah. this is something we've been, I've been living through for 26 years of my life. Mm. I see it when I get to specific countries and I put my passport on the passport control board, um, on the desk and yeah. they take it and there's different looks and there's yeah. different ways that you're treated. Yeah. So I've definitely been a victim of it, just mm. like I've seen other people. And mm. um, it's sad. We're living in a world right now where people are discriminated on and they never asked to be born with yeah. that color. They never asked to be born male or female. Mm. It was, you know, given to them. And yeah. it's very unfair to treat people in ways, shapes, and forms on how people picture other people as opposed to how we should. So in South Africa, is it more difficult for someone of color to achieve success like you have? So you're well, unique not, because not just of your age, but because of obviously the background that you've come from already, that you, you don't come from a privileged background, I don't think. And, um, and also the fact that you are someone of color. So that all those three factors... I would say have made it like you are one of a kind, aren't you? Well, you know, in South Africa, it's, um, it's really and truly different compared to five, 10 years ago. Okay. You know, the, so right now, as we speak, it's more equal than ever as opposed to five years ago, mm. but uh, it doesn't mean there was any handouts because of color. It doesn't okay. mean there was any opportunities. I've never had, you know, and, and I'm going to say this with all due respect, I've never had one bank say, here's a loan or here's upfront finance, I'm gonna back you. I've never had that. Everything mm. I've ever bought has been singly out of cash. Yeah. And you know, I've never had that handout. For other people right now, they might've got that in their career, in their path. Yeah. They might've got that, you know, they might be a part of first generational wealth. I can't speak on behalf of them because I've never, I've never felt that. I don't even know how it feels when your parents give you a bank card and say, here's some money to start or here's some money to go uh, have a shopping spree. I don't know how that feels. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, okay. So on the same topic of color, uh, beauty is many times associated with being fair skinned. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, true beauty comes from the inside, from mm. within us internally. And we got to understand, we got to have a good character. We got to be compassionate. But at the same time, you know, everyone is beautiful in every shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. I don't look at people from an external point and say, mm -hmm. hey, you're beautiful. 
I want to be able to get to know people. I want to know their personality traits. I want to know their character. I want to know what, what's their internal because we're so focused on investing in our external, how we look to impress people out there, yeah. to be liked, to be accepted, to be appreciated. That, you know, there's only one you and people need to understand, you know, right now as we speak, there's never going to, there's never going to be a replica of you. Everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. So everyone has beauty. Yeah. Everything has beauty. Um, so at the end of the day, whether you're fair skin, whether you're not from an external point of view, judging people on, uh, you know, how beautiful they look from external point of view. Well, why don't you get into business with them on how they <laughs> physically look? Yeah. I don't get into business on people and how they physically look. I'm not talking about, that's a you good know, point. <laughs> getting something to market my brand or, you know, that's a very different ball game. But, you know, if you're going to judge people and that's how we're living right now, we're living in a world where in order for someone to date someone, yep. we look at external factors. And they, so when we look at external factors, we get into the relationship we realize internal factors and we say, hold on, I yeah. think I made the wrong decision right here. Yeah. So, okay. But where did you, where do you think all this fascination with fair skin came from? Is it fascination with the Western world? Is it something else? What is the root cause of this? Where did it all start? Obviously, I don't expect you to know the history yeah, I, of this. I think it's more I of a bigger topic, but it's just more where, where is it coming from? How are we going to, is it going to be, is it solvable? Is it, are people ever going to look past the color? It's perception, it's the media, it's social media, it's other people's opinions. It's when people share, people we look up to, they share other people that they physically attracted to or they like and they create that image within us. They formulate that image. Hmm. So it's not, we've been taught how to treat people. Yeah. We've been taught how to love people. We've been taught how to appreciate people, which is very sad. And the only way we could change that Hmm. is by going out there and unteaching the habits that's already been taught. Can we hmm. do it? No, it's not going to be an overnight process. That's yeah. why you got to read the types of books that you want. You got to listen to the type of audios. We all need that self-development, but we can't learn to absorb and store. We got to learn to absorb, to apply. Yeah. So I think it's probably best. Do you think it's best therefore to start off and target maybe the younger youth who haven't necessarily learned that behavior or if they are learning, it's easy to teach them and they can then therefore teach to their children and it goes on because I think the older generation is maybe a bit more difficult to educate about this yeah, if they're so already the, stuck in their ways. So when you look at social media, Instagram on average 18 to 25 years old, Facebook is about 25 to 35 years old. So it's a demographics. I believe we need to teach two types of people, the parents yeah. and the students. If mm. it's not taught in school, yeah. well, you can't expect the child to be able to articulate it and start to change their view and perception. Yeah. So parents need to be able to learn that trait. Teachers need to be able to teach the students. Yeah. It's not just about geometry and maths, etc. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, habits. It's got to be that paradigm. It's got to be stuff that, you know, the parents need to take the initiative to actually make sure it's not about homework. It's about teaching your child the foundational, about the foundational rules of life. May I ask how old are you? What's your 26. age? Wow. You're so young. Oh my God. You, you talk like you've been here, like you're 50, 60 years old. I, I think that's the, that's the great thing about yourself that you've got so much wisdom at such a young age and I can't wait to see what you'll do in another 10 years time. Um, so now talking about a bit more about yourself, so I'm sure that our listeners want to hear a bit more about yourself and the way you think. So what would you say are your three biggest achievements? And I'm sure you've got many, but if you had to pick three big ones, which one would you say, what would you say they would be? 
you know, Lubna, if you asked me that question two, three years ago, I would have gave you a total different answer. Okay. Um, it's not about money. It's not yeah. about the cars. Now it's about feeding, educating, and clothing yeah. a thousand plus children per month, mm. getting knighted by the highest royal, highest order of Constantine uh, royal order because of excellence and giving back. And you know, every time I create a brand new success story, you know, I've created hundreds of millionaires. But it's all about going out there, being content because they're living my dream life. Yeah. Okay. That's that's great. Um... Okay, so what is the reason for your success that you would say? So your interpersonal development? Yeah, it's a balance of few things. Number one, it's work ethic. Okay. Work ethic. I've got this whole, um, you know, I, there's two different levels to this. There's work ethic, which is level one, but then there's psychological state to maintain that work ethic. Yeah. And when you look at the work ethic, I've got this tagline, work like you broke. Yes. And I'll tell you why, because I want people to understand, don't look left, don't look right, don't turn around, one foot in front of the next, act as if you're on a treadmill with the speed mm. of 15, and you're just running your race, your own lane. So yes. that's number one. Number two, the ability to stay in student mode. Yes. It's so critical to continuously learn. Because yes. when you look at the word learn, L-E-A-R-N, eventually when you learn enough, you remove the L and you start to earn enough. Yeah. And then number three is that balance between spiritual, religious. It's a balance where I get the chance to, you know, in tune and get into me, have that me time, that me factor. Yeah. Are you religious then? I Did definitely you say religious? am. Yeah. Um, I am. May I ask which religion you follow? Oh, I'm, I'm Hinduism, but I genuinely, you can put me anywhere in the world yeah. and I'll still be able to pray. You can yeah. put me anywhere in the world. I've prayed literally in temples. I've prayed in mosques. I've prayed in... Um, you know, churches, I've prayed anywhere. I've been yeah. to Croatia, sitting in the church on a Sunday praying. Yeah. Put me anywhere in the world and I want to be able to get into my tune. Yeah. And, um, you know, I believe now more than ever, we need to all come together and just yes. be able to give thanks. Yeah, I agree with that because the God that made me, the same God made you. Obviously, you know, we've been brought up differently. Yeah. I come from a Muslim family and that's why I'm Muslim. And um, you come from a Hindu family. So a lot of the times the religion that we come from is decided by the family that we are born into that we don't have a say in obviously i'm happy being a muslim but i agree with that like i would pray anywhere like you wherever you pray god is still hearing you just because i'm a muslim i don't feel oh okay so god's only going to listen to me and all the muslims and no one else i think this is definitely we all need to come together and just realize we're praying to the same god it's just a different way of praying so i completely agree with that right so what have you sacrificed to get to where you are and was it worth it so, you know, my very first year in entrepreneurship, I sat my parents down and, I, and my sister and I said, mom, dad, uh, and I told my sister, I said, I love you. I appreciate you, but I'm doing it for you guys. Yeah. And I need the space. I need the fact that I need to run. I can't look left. I can't look right. Please take care of what you're good at. I'll take care of what I'm good at. Yeah. I'll make sure it's done. And I promise you'll be rewarded in any shape, form or fashion. And, um, you know, so I sacrificed in the foundation family time. Yeah. I sacrificed going out with my friends. I sacrificed being an 18-year-old kid. And mm. um, so I would say I sacrificed, you know, things that didn't allow me to elevate and grow in life. I replaced yeah. that for things that did. And now I can be able to balance it and say, hey, mom, dad, hey, you know, sister, where do you want to go? Let's throw a dot on a map and let's go pick where we want to go. <laughs> can you and take me that. with you? Can you take me with <laughs> you next time? <laughs> okay, fantastic. So was it worth it though? Do you think it was worth it? Without a doubt. Okay. I mean, if I didn't take that season out of my career, I'd still be working for the rest of my life 
I believe every single one of us has a season and you need to take that season out and you either work it in increments for the rest of your life or yeah. you pay that lump sum of a price to experience the prize later yeah. on in your life. Okay. So you've spoken about your family. Do you have a special one? Yeah. Are you planning to get, you've got a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, are, do you have any marriage plans anytime soon? Well, or family no, or do you want kids? I definitely do in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a now time for me, but yeah. um, I definitely do. I've, I've learned so much from, you know, my, my parents got divorced, but I learned so much from my sister and her husband. And uh, mm. they've been dating for about 12 to 14 years before they even got married. Wow. So I've learned so much from them because I'm a student in everyone's teachings. Yeah. And then most importantly, I definitely do in the future, but I got some legacy plans first. Definitely. Okay, that makes sense. So what do you wish you had known when you started out? And it's strange asking this because you're still so young, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> so I feel someone should have sat, well, I, I wish and prayed someone sat me down and said, Sashin, you're going to get rejected in life. People are going to tell you no. You're going to fail. It's going to go through. You're going to start businesses and it's not going to generate money. You're going to be known for the success you've had, but no one will remember the failure. No one remember the dark days. You're going to want to quit. And if you've never wanted to quit, you've never done business. If you've yep. never questioned quitting, you've never entered the entrepreneurial world. I wish someone sat me down and said, Sashin, these are my mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes that I've made. But in actual fact, I went through the path of life lessons. Yeah. So obviously, so you're into personal development. You read books and um podcasts, I'm sure you listen to lots of things and you hear lots of things and you've done training. So obviously that is still not enough, is it? You still have to experience some things for yourself. There's only so much even you can learn from business books, even about failures. So there's so many business books and you can see a few behind me and, and they will mention things and experience, but there's only so much you can still learn from other people's mistakes, which is important to have the combination of both your own mistakes and other people's. So how much did you learn from like books and stuff versus I mean, your own experience? So I did learn a lot from books, but I needed to go out there and execute the information I learned mm. to actually learn it in life. Yeah. My parents taught me a lot. And today I'm very fortunate to have the right type of mentors where yeah. I have my conversations with people like Robin Sharma. One mm. of my business partners is Akon. So I get the chance to sit down with those type of people and uh, you know pick their brain, learn from their life experiences. But once again, it wasn't like this five, seven years ago. Okay. So what advice would you give your 18 year old self if you could go back? What advice would you would, give yourself? I would definitely say, number one, you're going to get rejected. You're going <laughs> to go through failure. And when you succeed, you're going to have the wrong people around you for the wrong reasons. Okay. And you're going to be tested with specific things to take the wrong route, the easier route in life. Don't mm. take it. And then also over and above that, you need to have that zero emotional attachment mindset. Don't be attached to success. Don't be attached to the nice things. Alongside that, you want to be able to understand that there's a rule that I live by. Yeah. Don't ever lend money. Don't ever give money. If you want to lose someone, be able to give them money and never see them ever again. That's some of the rules that I live by today. I've experienced that quite a few times where I have lended money, I'm not going to say who to, and it is not a great place to be. But then when you've when you feel you can lend because you've got the money and they're in a bad place, it's not nice saying no either. But I think it's up to the other person to then kind of honor that and give the money back. Correct. But when it's been like 10 years on and they haven't bothered, 
in my situation, five years on, 10 years on, um, a few other people, uh, I'm not going to say who, but it just gets to the point where it's like, okay, do, and you can, they can afford it as well to give it back and they're still not giving back. It just gets a bit, so I agree with that. So don't lend money, especially because it, it will just ruin relationships. Some people hopefully will give it back, but it won't be everyone. So it just gets a bit com- complicated. So Sashin, what would you say are your three greatest strengths? I can, I can imagine that you have a massive list, <laughs> but you're top. Summarize it. <laughs> Um, you know, definitely number one, networking and connecting with anyone. I don't care the, the level of status. I don't care the level of achievement. I don't care the level of title. So I, it doesn't, I'm not attached. I approach anyone. Um, number two is zero emotional attachment, mental strength. Life is mental strength. It's not physical pain. So mm. you've got to go through mental pain and you've got to have that mental tenacity and strength. And number three, I would say stay focused despite the outside noise, the recession, the coronavirus, the racism disease, everything that's taking place right now in our life, you need to be able to be stay, you need to be so laser focused on your own lane that you can't even hear the birds chirping on the outside. Okay, that's really interesting. So, so are we saying that emotional intelligence is one of your strengths? The whole em- emotional... It- like not don't be emotionally attached and therefore attached, yeah. you can only do that when you're emotionally intelligent how do Zero you become emotionally how can you how I, I i mean i find for example if i talk about myself that i being a woman being a mother of two kids i have become more emotional after having kids obviously some of the changes are biological um but how can i become emotionally intelligent i've read books i've done all of that <laughs> but sometimes zero. emotions just take over how can i become yeah. emotionally so um, when i talk about zero emotional attachment i'm not talking about zero emotional attachment to family because okay. that's love yeah i'm talking about zero emotional attachment to anything that's trying to bring you down business the results of business um you going out there and you know being in a relationship that has ended have that emotion you emotionally attached but you got to be able to understand everything in life is either meant to break you or to create, it's a test to create that testimony in your life. And how did I define myself? How did I get to that point where I got zero emotional attachment? Well, I've been through so many times in my life where I've been rejected. I've been mm. hurt. I've been, you know, I've been down that pain. So that's how I took that pain into passion. I took that mess. It started when I was two years old. If my own parents could not speak from when I was two till 24, that's just a typical example of showing me, hold on. Life is like that. I've been screwed over in business multiple times. I don't do partnerships in a hurry. I literally don't do partnerships in a hurry. Why? Because people promise you the world. And, um, you know, alongside, if you're going to add anything on partnerships, if there's anything, everything needs to be on a contract and agreement. Everything. If if, if you want to have, if you helping someone, a friend, it's as simple as a dotted line, sign, no emotional attachment, let it take its part. And you don't, because tomorrow things can happen. You don't believe it's going to screw you over. So you don't believe in like what would they would say a gentleman's agreement where it's not signed, but you know, people are going to honor it. I used to do that. Let's talk about that $10 million later. I used to do that. And I've learned the hard way. (laughs) That's why I don't go down that route anymore. It's as simple as if we're doing anything, you got your deliverables. I got mine. We don't, our word is great. Yeah. And, and you know what's so crazy? With agreements, I still have to go through those people. That's how sad it is. Yeah. Because all this kind of financial stuff can drag on as well. I mean, I'm crying over my 10,000 and here you are crying. Well, you're not crying, but you're obviously talking about your 10 million. But okay, fantastic. So what would you say are your greatest weaknesses? 
So I'm a night person until I actually, um, you know, got started to speak to Robin Sharma and he introduced me to the 5 a.m. club and sleeping early to wake up early is definitely a weakness. I sleep late, three, four, two, three, four a.m. and I wake up at like 8.39 mm-hmm. and I'm flipped it around. I flipped it around to sleeping at midnight and waking up at like 6 a.m. Yeah. But it's difficult when you're so in the zone and you've been, it's your paradigm. It's that habit you've developed in your mind. Number two, reading a book from start to finish. I read books from a different aspect. I read to get inspired, to put the book down, to take action. Yeah. I don't read cover to cover. And I look at it from a point of, if I need more leadership, I go yeah. to Stephen R. Covey. If I need some financial advice, I go straight to Kiyosaki, one of my good friends as well. If I go straight to, you know, Robin Sharma from a spiritual point of view. So that's number two. Number three, trusting too easily. I want to see the benefit of other people. I want to help them. I want to see a better life for them. So I trust very easily. And uh, when, you, when you have expectation, expectations lead to disappointment. But, you know, on the sleeping part, so I've read, have you read the book, Why We Sleep? No. So that changed my mind because obviously that talks about the fact that we are all programmed differently. Some people do work well at night and other people don't. And that's just the way you're programmed. So that made me more accepting of the times of the day where I'm more efficient. And I think that if you're waking up 5 a.m., that is great as long as you're also sleeping on time. What people forget to do is sleep on time so that they get their full eight hours and they just think they'll sleep at 12 and wake up at five and then they're going to be very efficient. So that book is really good. Why we sleep. Um, so uh, if you haven't read that yet, that would be one of the books I think you should read. Um, okay. Yeah. So what is one of the things you have failed at? I think we've kind of through our conversation touched on the fact that you've had some bad experiences with business and partnerships, but if you can talk about maybe at least one yeah, of your... I would say, and, and people who are listening and watching this right now, they're going to laugh. I actually, I didn't fail at school, but I failed in school. Okay. I wasn't the most educated guy when it came from reading something, remembering it, coming back the next day to rewrite it. Mm. I was a straight DOE student. Every teacher told me, there's no shot this kid's going to make it in life. Mm. So why do you think that was? Is it the fact that you, what, what, why do you think that was? I mean, I was more focused on the sporting field. I wanted okay. to be, if you spoke to me in school, mm. and if you interviewed me to be in your school, I would strictly talk about sport. I was going to convince you on why I was going to play cricket for South Africa. I was going to convince you on why I was going to represent the South African chess team. But then reality hit me like what, when, when reality hits most people in life, when they start a business, reality hit me out of 55 million people. Only 11 people make the cricket team. Only 11 people. And that's when I realized I need to start to change my path. And, um, you know, I, okay. I focused more on business yeah. rather than school. That's actually a common theme with people that I've heard who do well in business is I think at a very young age, they're not necessarily, it's not that they're not good at studies. Their heart isn't in it and your heart needs to be in it. So I think, if you would have studied, you probably would have been like the A-star student. Um, yeah. But people usually who have that entrepreneurial spirit from a young age, because they have a bigger picture in their mind, they can't focus on the pages in front of them because they just have a bigger, they're thinking about things that other kids aren't. So the person next to you, student could be an A-star student, but they may not go on to do necessarily. I mean, I'm sure you're, you're earning more than many of the people not just in your class but in your school and that exactly just shows in terms of mindset so how do you deal with failure 
So when you have experienced I, a setback, how do you deal with it? I let it happen to me rather than within me life. Okay. The biggest diseases in the world, they start from internally. Yeah. Cancer, diabetes, HIV and AIDS. And when it comes from internally, what starts to happen is you don't see it from an external point of view. Before you know it, you go for all these tests and you already have it. Yeah. So it eats you up from within. I never give permission to negativity and failure to enter my mind because the biggest disease, once again, is a negative mindset. It's yeah. not cancer. It's not diabetes. It's not HIV and AIDS. And how I deal is I let it hit me and I let it bounce off me. And I know it sounds like a cliche. It's easier mm. said than done. Mm. But when I let it hit me, I utilize it as motivation, inspiration. Yeah. I don't sit down in my bed and cry about the 25,000 things that are happening in my life right now. I say, why is it happening to me? How can I refuel it to use me to refuel my mind to take me to the next level? I look at why, because you got to be able to understand everyone's problems were tailor-made for them. They can run and change, change the industry, change the company, change their path. Their problems were made for them. They yeah. cannot run away from the problems that were formulated for them. They got to go through it. And I don't teach people how to stay positive 24, 7, 365. I teach people how to counterattack their negativity. Appreciate what has been handed to you. Yeah. Accept it celebrate it and yeah. then work like you broke to yeah. go over it. So it's all about mindset, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, we have one life. This is it. And if you look at the bigger picture, like the universe, the planets out there, I mean, the universe is never ending, is expanding, expanding. And if you look at the bigger picture, I think it puts things into perspective because sometimes people, when they have a setback, when they have a failure, they just take it onto heart and they think the whole life is over. But in the grand scheme of things, millions and millions of people have walked the planet before us. Millions of people are walking, the billions of people are walking the planet now. And after we're dead and passed away, is anyone going to care about the problems that we had? No, not really. So in the grand scheme of things, it's, so, it's, so mindset is really important. And that's what you, a big part of what you do. Without a doubt. It's at Without. least 80% of your entire life. Okay, fine. So uh, one regret you have. Lending money. <laughs> Lending, Lending money, money to people. And expect, and it screwed up a relationship. And I'm not talking about a, uh, I'm not talking about a, I'm talking about a relationship in business, a friendship. I've lost my closest friends because I tried to help them. Yeah, that's the thing. So maybe they weren't cut out for business, but they wanted to jump on the bandwagon with you. And was it a partnership that you did with them? And it just they didn't no, realize. Just- seeing them lose in life and I'm winning and I try to pick them up. I try to help them in some shape or form or fashion. And unfortunately you can't help everyone in life. Yeah. You can teach people how to win. You can't win for them. Are, some, never sustain it. are some people therefore unhelpable? Like no matter how much you try to help them, you just, some people are just not unhelpable. Well, it depends on what help is. I mean, is help giving money or is help is help teaching them a formula on how to win. Because I can help people on how to win. If they don't go out there and emulate it and articulate it, they're never going to win. If I give them money, how long is it going to last? It's only going to last for that process. So it's like you can teach someone how to fish instead of giving them the fish because then they can do it for themselves the whole of their life. Okay, fantastic. I think I was going to ask you, what is your biggest fear? But I'm thinking, is it lending people money? Yeah. (laughs) Is that your biggest fear? No, I mean, uh, you know, my biggest fear would be one day 
when I pass on, I've got to look the maker and, and a preview of my life of mm. what it could have looked like if I showed up to the meeting, if I jumped on that flight, yeah. if I woke up a bit earlier than normal and I didn't miss that meeting. What if I just showed up? My life could have been very different compared to what it is today. So are you, what's the right way of saying this? Do you feel anxious? Is it that you want to do lots of things? Do you ever feel anxiety, anxious? Cause there's so much you want to do and a multitask, you want to do this, that. And, and cause you sound like someone obviously who doesn't want to miss out on opportunities, but does I'm that have side I'm effects? I'm definitely a perfectionist, but mm. at the same time, I've mastered the art of delegating. Um, you know, I've got 130,000 affiliates in my organization, yeah. 130,000 people, and I'm communicating with the core and they communicating with the entire leadership team. Yeah. So I don't have to always have a finger on the pulse because I got the right people running it who are better than me in specific things. Exactly. I just know how to build the right team. Yeah. You need to exactly, you can't do everything yourself. And there needs to be a time that you need to outsource or start bringing other people in. What age right. did you start doing that? How early did you realize as, that you as need? As young to, as 18 years old. 18 years old, you realize that you need other people. Okay, that's interesting to hear. So I can see lots of lovely books behind you. Uh, and I love reading books myself. What is the last book that you read? Or what is the book that you're currently reading? The book that I'm reading right now is The 5am Club with Robin. And uh, I just had him on my show. And he's a good friend of mine. We're doing an event together. And uh, he, I, I just love his work. I've, I've read multiple of his books. And I just feel like I needed to go back to the 5am club again. Why? Yeah. Because the first time I read it, I, I never had the desire of waking up early. Yeah. And um, now I need to relook at it. Okay. So before, so you've, you're rereading the 5am club. What is there a book? What is a book that you read before this one? I read. So, so I'm that audio guy. I love watching videos. I yeah. love, I, I love reading, but I find moments. So um, I'd say one of Stephen R. Colby's books with, uh, you know, leadership. I'm huge in leadership. Yeah. 11 Rings by Phil Jackson. That's an incredible, because I watched, uh, right now, I'm watching um, the Michael Jordan Netflix series. So at mm. the same time, 11 Rings, Phil Jackson. Yeah. Um, I'm, I love articulating sport into business. I love looking at, from a leadership point of view. Yeah. I'm not that traditional finance guy. I'm more on that spiritual mind hmm. and, and right values and the right, um, you know, work ethics for sustainability. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So who is your role model? I can sense that you probably have many and Robin Sharma seems to be up there. <laughs> Hi up there. My dad and my mom first, definitely okay. my parents, um, without a doubt. And then I've got a lot of mentors, virtual mentors from you. My first virtual mentor was www.youtube.com. <laughs> That's where I, I literally got all my information from. And now I got access to everyone. So, um, you know, I take a little bit from everyone because yeah. I'm mastering the art of self-mastery, health, wealth, spirituality, and relationships. Yeah. So I find someone who's mastered wealth, a Warren mm. Buffett, a Ray Dalio. Um, I find someone who's mastered health. I find someone who's mastered spirituality. I find someone who has mastered relationships. And I take a bit of them. I watch a lot of Tony Robbins as well. He's a good friend as well. Um, so yeah. Okay, fantastic. So what keeps you awake at night? Is there anything that keeps you awake at night? Yes, it's the ability of, you know, for me to know that I have not changed enough lives yet and there's more lives okay. to change tomorrow. I love working for other, with other people, helping other people. I, I just feel so content when someone drives my dream car, when they live in my dream home. 
where they take their family on my dream vacation. As much as it's mine, but I love it when other people live my dream. Well, that's fantastic. So you have this hunger to help other people. And I guess you're looking forward to the next day so you can help more people. And that's what keeps you awake at night, that that excitement. I want to create something bigger than me. I want to create, and a legacy cannot be money. A legacy cannot be, I'm leaving businesses behind. I want to create a path where 10, 20, 50, 100 years from today, my name still exists because I I changed the family generational tree or lineage Mm. because of one person that I impacted. Fantastic. Okay. So if you can change one thing in the world, what would that be? Education. Why? Because I believe education should not just be the traditional education. There should be a syllabus of self-development. There should be that virtual mentorship. They Mm. should have some sort of, I mean, it's so simple of going out there and signing up for a mentor's course, whoever it is, and teaching it in school, teaching business practices, teaching life lessons. Mm. And uh, I'm taking on traditional education right now because for me, my extra self-education, what I, what I taught myself, what mm. I learned from mentors, that was more valuable for me than what I learned in school. Definitely. I needed to bridge that gap. So I'm taking on traditional education right now and uh, I'm basically bridging that gap between traditional education and the new school education. So how are you doing this? Is it through your business? Is it through charity work or a combination? Well, firstly, it's that whole millionaire student community that I created. I, I've spoken on stages globally. 20, if you Google... Just type my name on Google, you're going to find 25,000 people at the AT&T Stadium, 14,000 people in the LA Lakers Stadium, 10,000 people in Dublin, 6,000 people in Hong Kong. We, I, I speak every, without the COVID-19, every 90 days, I speak in front of tens of thousands of people. And uh, I can put a virtual event right now for 10,000 people, but I'm taking it on for one very, uh, for one very reason, is because I got access to the mentors and mm. I want to put them in one platform to help everyone. So when I look at the millionaire student, people always come up to me after my events and say, Sashin, I mm. want to be a millionaire. And I say, you've got to remain in student mode. You've got to be able to learn because when mm. you learn enough, you're going to earn enough. And yeah. then when you become that millionaire, what is going to sustain it? Well, your leadership, you learning more to take you to the next level. Everyone believes their top line is their top line. Yeah. Someone's top line is someone else's bottom line. It's the entry yeah. level of success. Yeah, so, definitely. So you've had to wear actually quite a few hats. Because if you think about it, obviously coming from becoming an entrepreneur is different to writing your book, which you have, to also then all doing public speaking. Do you believe in destiny? I definitely do. I, um, you know, I believe in faith. I believe you're destined to win in life. Yeah. I believe the more good you do, the more you'll attract your true life that you want. Mm. And, um, but I also believe you create your own destiny as much as you have a destiny, destiny rolled out for you. I believe you attract every, the right type of people into your life, the right type of partner in your relationship, the right Mm. type of business. Every single day I speak in the future, meaning I'm attracting that client into my business. I'm attracting that business partner into my business. I'm attracting that leader. So it's partially, you're destined for specific things, but there's also the energy you put out to attract. We, you know, my mm. good friend, Gabby Bernstein, she wrote a book called Super Attractor. Yes. And you want to be able to attract the right type of people within your life. So is it like destiny is like you, I'm going to just use the word God, obviously not everyone believes in God, but I would say the majority of people on the globe do. So assuming God, um, 
or the universe destiny has maybe put opportunities in front of you and they are destined in, to be in front of you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're destined to take on the opportunities. You still have to take on the opportunities. And that's where the fact that you make your destiny comes in that yes, God or the universe will have those opportunities in line for you, but you have to still reach out and do it. Like some people expect to be fed, like just sit there, there's food in front of you and think that it's in my destiny. So it's going to be in my belly. <laughs> you have to like pick the fork up, pick the spoon up exactly. and put it in your mouth. That kind of thing. Okay. That's very interesting. Okay. So what is the meaning of life? You know, I believe, um, you know, life is to fulfill your purpose and, and accomplish your goals. So what I mean by this, everyone has a purpose. Everyone has passion um, or why they're living. None of us will be here right now if we didn't have a purpose in life. So life is you going out there and you being driven by what makes your clock tick. And, um, you know, for me, I'm passionate about various different things. But life is beyond the materialistic things. Life is, should be about servant. You know, the more you serve, the more you get back, the more you give, the more you receive. Yeah. So life is not just a clock that, or a watch that you put on your, fo- on your hand and you watch it tick by. It's something that you need to seize the moment every second of your life. So would you say the meaning of life is different to everyone? Well, you know, everyone has their own meaning. Everyone has their own purpose. Everyone has their own legacy. Everyone mm. has their own passion in life. For me, it's my purpose. And, okay. you know, some people just don't know what their meaning is. Some people just don't even know why they're existing right now. Yeah. Some people are hating life. They feel like they're born in the wrong family, wrong lineage, wrong mm. financial background. Second, you know, they're not even first generational wealth. So some people right now are even on their deathbed and they're regretting specific things. I'm very, I'm very, you know, excited about life because, and I'm guessing it's because at a very young age, I saw the different parts of life. I yeah. saw the success. I saw the failure and testing times. I saw the right t- type of people. I saw a bit of a balance of everything. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So um, just a few final questions. So if you could sure. describe yourself in three words, what three words would you use? Number one, grit. Number two, disruptor. And number three, innovator. Okay. I thought the third word's going to be with a D as well, but <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Okay. So what projects are you currently working on? Do you have another book so, out or? Yeah, I have a book. We sold, um, in fact, New York Times wrote an article that as a first time author, I sold 20,000 books in the first 30 days. Wow. So I, it's, it's, so I launched it on an ebook first. Why? Because of this whole coronavirus. So it's called Becoming the Millionaire Student. Okay. We've got it in um, about nine different languages. Yeah. And um, so that's the first thing. I'm busy writing a new one right now. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I'm working on. I'm always working on service to many with regards to my live events. I always over deliver. Yeah. In fact, I live by a policy that when people show up to my event, you know, literally they pay until the event is over. Yeah. And they gain absolutely nothing. And then um, I got multiple businesses that I'm working on right now. A music label that has um, my strategic advisors, Akon. So I got the number one artist in South Africa right now, my label. Yeah. Uh, multiple businesses like a social media marketing uh, agency, which has 500 plus clients. I'm, ex- I'm working on that. But most importantly, the millionaire student umbrella and everything under that. I'm so passionate about giving people what I had in life from when I was eight years old till today, 
I feel that's the missing link to the irresistible chain that they need. That is absolutely fantastic. I actually look forward to reading your book. Is there anything I should have asked but haven't? Is there anything that you'd like to add, say? Yeah, you asked pretty much everything. <laughs> um, I love the questions and I, I really enjoyed being on the, on the podcast and serving your audience and just being here. Yeah. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Session, for coming on Candid with Libna Farhan. I'm sure the viewers, the listeners are going to enjoy listening to this as much as I have enjoyed interviewing you today. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that was Session Govinder, and you must agree, this was a really, really good episode. I really enjoyed filming um, and recording for this episode. I think he gave really good answers. And they were candid, they were strong. And I mean, I was left very inspired and motivated. I have been into personal development from a young age as well. And when I say a young age, um, I'm not talking about reading books. This is just an, an, a, something I just always was into, like furthering myself self and developing myself. And I didn't even know there were personal development books out there. I didn't even know about mentors. And all this was a realization that came on later on in my personal life. So I do personally wish that I maybe got into this in terms of the books behind me and all of this earlier on. But this is why I'm also bringing all these individuals onto my podcast to inspire you guys, to motivate you guys. Um, and if you're not into personal development yet or reading books or anything, just try it out. The fact that you're even listening to my podcast is a good sign because that means you're you're interested, right? You're interested in furthering yourself. You're interested in hearing from these individuals who are very successful, talking about issues candidly and also telling about themselves. Anyways, guys, I hope you have enjoyed this um, episode of Candid with Libna Farhan. Please do stay tuned for next time. Thank you.